0: So, Craig, impact investing, to you, to you, what does that mean? How does it differentiate from ESG investing? And I guess, what does it offer that, that ESG risk-based considerations doesn't offer?
1: Yeah, so I think, um, you know, when we think about this, it's probably good to just define what we mean by the kind of ESG risk-based and, and impact investing initially. Um, so I think first looking at ESG risk-based, you know, I think it's probably one of these areas that's that's reasonably well understood because the name effectively tells you what it is, quite, quite straightforward. So it's, you know, it's it involves incorporating environmental, social and governance metrics for companies, identifying where these companies have exposures to specific risks, and then really, I guess, assessing how well they're managing those risks in order to to come to a conclusion about the the kind of leftover risks or inherent risks within that company and you know usually this would involve some kind of materiality framework so you're identifying the specific areas that are relevant or or material to that individual company you know given the sector they operate in the geographies you know their business model etc and kind of prioritize and weight these different risks accordingly and um, so I guess, you know, as the name suggests, ESG risk based, it's it's purely a risk management approach. Um, and generally, that doesn't really involve any exclusions as such. So, you know, if a SIN stock is deemed to be cheap enough to justify the risks that you see from an ESG perspective, you know, that could still make its way in, into a portfolio. And really, there's no focus from this ESG risk based approach on, I guess, the inherent opportunities that accounting for these broader ESG metrics can can present. Um on the other hand you know impact investing I think is is a lot less clearly defined and, and understood in general and um, you know ourselves at Rathbone Green Bank we can we kind of really view impact investments as investments that are made with with a clear intention to generate positive measurable social and environmental impact alongside a financial return obviously the financial return important there otherwise you're kind of stumbling into philanthropy. Um, and I think in our view, you know, authentic impact investments are really characterised by both kind of being transparent in terms of being able to see what they're achieving um, and also having accountability to the kind of specific outcomes that they're looking to achieve. And um, Also, it really requires a kind of recognition of the wider consequences of the investment. You know, we're looking beyond that kind of blinkered view of, here's the outcome I want. Have I achieved it? To taking a much more holistic view and looking at, okay, what other impacts does this investment have beyond just what I'm trying to achieve? And and I really think for for impact investing, you know, the cornerstones are are just the ability to really measure and report against these kind of impact investment objectives that you're looking to achieve. Um, So I think when you're looking for really authentic impact investment opportunities, you really got to ask yourself, you know, what am I trying to achieve? What are my outcomes that I want? And how is my investment helping to achieve these outcomes and really for us we're looking for that kind of genuine causal link between the money that you're investing and that impact outcome you know with that outcome being really identifiable and measurable so i suppose in other words you know how is this investment delivering this outcome and how do we know um, and i think that's why our approach to impact investing is probably a little bit different from others in the market. Um, I mean, they tend to offer, you know, listed equity impact portfolios, where you know the money is, you know, considered to be impactful because the company you're investing in is is doing some good. You know, they might be reducing their carbon emissions, for example. But, you know, where's the causal link there? You know, we don't see that. That company is going to reduce their carbon emissions anyway quite frankly. So, you know, for us, that's not delivering the impact that we want to see from those investments. Um, So I guess coming back to the question that that you asked at the start there, Ross, I mean, for us, the the kind of difference between impact investing and and ESG risk-based and what it offers, it's probably four key things. Um, Firstly, it's, it's intentionality. You know, these investments have a clear intent to kind of bring about a real transformational change. It's, it's additionality, you know, going back to that example I was talking there about carbon emissions. You know, these impact investments are giving you something extra. They're, they're giving you something in addition to what would have happened anyway. Um, it's also the measurability. You know, I've talked about this already, but you really want to have outcomes that you can measure, you can report against and that can be scrutinised. And also that are reported with a great deal of transparency. And I think finally, you know, in, in my opinion, opportunity. You know, ESG risk-based looks at ESG as a risk, but actually in these kind of environmental and social challenges that we need to address, there's a lot of challenges that we can really see exciting opportunities in, in finding companies or finding investments that are addressing these challenges.
0: So you mentioned listed equities at one point there and how difficult it is to actually invest with that causal link that you mentioned in listed equities. Is it possible to invest impactfully and find that additionality that you need for impact investing in highly liquid public markets? And if not, where do you find that?
1: Um, I mean, I think in, in primary markets, certainly you can, you can find that additionality. Um, you can find companies that are delivering some real positive outcomes with regards to the way that they operate, with regards to what they are doing. Absolutely. The additionality there, I think, is, is more challenging to, to quantify. Um, I guess one of the real ways that we see that we can make an additional contribution through listed markets is through engagement. And and engagement is a massive thing for us at, at Green Bank. You know, we engage internally, we do a lot of engagement with companies, with funds, with, you know, governments, with policymakers to really try and drive through changes that we want to see. We also do a lot of collaborative engagement. So we're parts of groups like Action One Hundred Plus, access to nutrition index, and um, various other um, collaborative engagement um, networks that we work with to really push forward and drive through the change as much as we can in listed equities. You know, using that weight as owners of businesses to force those businesses to to improve their their practices as well.
0: Excellent. And I do want to delve a little bit deeper into the, the social impact element of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, when we hear about social factors and in investing, I mean, hopefully the conversation's moved on from just things like diversity now, but what obviously with that being very important, but what exactly does social mean to you when you think about impact investing outcomes? And are there any particular social issues that you would like to emphasize or maybe expect a fund manager that you invest with to consider?
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I think you know, social and issues in in general, you know, that's 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 the people element, isn't it? I mean, it's anything related to people. So, if we think about ESG, environment is planet, governance is business, and and the social side is people. Um, so, as you've mentioned, there, social issues can cover quite a wide array of things. You've got your diversity, health and safety, access to healthcare, human rights, um, ethical supply chains. I mean, I think that's probably quite an important one. Um, there's been, I guess, a lot of publicity in the the not so distant past of companies where, okay, at, at some level their supply chains are fine, but when you drill down further into these complex supply chains, you see that there's some real issues. And I think, you know, investors are are looking to see more scrutiny of supply chains and a greater understanding of, of how those operate. Um, I mean, I guess to bring it back to to how we do it at Green Bank. I mean, we use a thematic investment approach, and we have eight sustainable development themes. Um, These eight themes cover a variety of environmental and and social social sides. So on the environmental side, we have things like energy and climate, habitats and ecosystems, resource efficiency. But then actually on the social side, we have um, health and well-being, decent work, inclusive economies, to name a few. And and actually, you know, alongside our our ethical, sustainable and impact research team or or ESI research team, as we we call them for short, you know, we really use these themes to guide our investment decisions. So we think about how they're going to play out over the long term. What's the kind of key social, political and technological drivers that we need to be aware of? And what are the the risks and opportunities that that these themes are going to create? I think, you know, thinking about investment in this way really helps us to respond to a lot of the transformations that, that are going on in the world. Um I so think if we take a step back uh, again, you know, think about the way we identify our investments. So, we, we conduct very thorough bottom up ESG analysis. That involves looking at kind of 30 top level social and environmental criteria. So, that can cover employment, environmental management, for example. But then, actually, underlying that, we have 300 distinct sub criteria that we look at for every kind of company um, that we'd invest in. So that can cover gender, diversity, carbon emissions. Um, And I think, you know, coming back to my earlier point, you know, we use that to assess the whole materiality of the issues for these individual investments to really help our analysis. Um, But then actually overlaying that thematic element that we have really helps us identify the opportunities related to sustainable development while also, I guess, assessing and understanding the ESG risks that are inherent within the, the companies. So, you know, we do incorporate a broad range of social issues as part of our analysis. But I guess we also, you know, we go beyond that. So we're trying to find areas where we need social change, and then try and find ideas and investments that, that kind of drive that change forwards. And um, so I guess, Coming back to the question, some examples of where we actually have investments in the portfolios and, and where we see that alignment is, you know, for example, investments that with access to healthcare, providing that, um, some providing training and education. I think particularly where we see a strong fo- focus in those companies on inclusion and diversity. Uh, and also, you know, some companies that are involved in things like like social housing, you know, that can be a, a really positive area to to invest as well.
0: Okay, and so we have the impact case for social change. We've we've identified the areas where you can have social impact. What's the investment case? Does it come down to fundamentals within these areas that you're discussing? Or is there a separate investment case for kind of allocating capital towards positive social change?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for us at Green Bank, you know, our core investment belief is that companies that have, you know, strong ESG risk management, but are providing solutions for a changing world, whether that be, you know, tackling environmental challenges or addressing social issues are likely to be, you know, sound long term investments. You know, you just got to look at our performance data over the the long term and that really supports that view. You know, I think what is important to note in terms of, you know, this approach to investment is is that you're undoubtedly going to have a higher tracking error relative to benchmark indices, you know, because we focus on companies and areas that have this positive characteristics, you know, there's large parts of the market that that we naturally don't hold because we just don't see that positive alignment. And I think, you know, as a result, if you're investing in this way, your performance will be different. And, you know, sometimes that difference is going to be fantastic. And there's other times where that difference is going to be slightly less fantastic. Um, But ultimately, you know, we feel that our focus on this sustainable development themes that we have, which are really backed up by some strong structural growth drivers that are there for the long term, are going to help drive out performance over that long term. And certainly, you know, as I say, that's that's been the case for us historically as well.
0: And I do want to delve a little bit into the, the fund research or fund analysis element of of what you do. So in terms of third party strategies and the sort of asset management world, do we have an inauthenticity problem? What's your, what are your views on the current sort of investable universe when it comes to impact funds?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I guess first and foremost, it's probably important to point out that, that impact investing is it's vulnerable to greenwashing or, or impact washing, if you will. You know, I think we would probably argue that that's even more so the case than it is with kind of ethical, sustainable ESG um, strategies. And that's probably partly due to the fact there's no real consistent definition or approach to measuring impact outcomes, whether that be from a quantitative point of view or a qualitative point of view. And and impact data itself is is quite inconsistent and and can be difficult to collect. Um, You know, you just go look different countries, different governments, public, private sector companies, they all use different methods and standards to gather their data and, and to report on outcomes, which, you know obviously is going to lead to a great deal of inconsistency. Um, and I think without getting a clear definition and consensus around how to measure the impact of kind of private sector investment, it, it's very difficult to assess and compare, you know, impact outcomes across across different projects. Um, you know, I think, as, as I mentioned there, we've been very careful ourselves in developing our approach to impact. And that's why we don't consider the, the listed equity or debt to meet our definition of that kind of genuine impact investment. Um, I mean, we are hopeful that, you know, as regulatory frameworks change, you know, particularly on the ESG sustainable side, um, and they develop that they will begin to incorporate impact investing and how that's undertaken as well. You know, that might be introducing regulation, establishing reporting standards, as well as, you know, perhaps potentially penalising companies that that have been misleading in terms of their kind of claims of impact so i guess to return to the question at the moment without clear definitions and standards of impact and what it actually is um yeah i think perhaps it's overused as a marketing tool at the moment and i mean i can't speak to the intentionality of that but, uh, you know, I'm aware of at least one instance where a fund was was forced to rebrand away from being an impact fund because when you really scratched under the surface, it just it just wasn't delivering on the promise that the name suggested.
0: Can you tell me what that fund was?
1: Um, not at liberty to say. <laughs>
0: Understood. So you mentioned a little bit there about kind of impact reporting and measurement. How do, you, how do you deal with that at the moment in what is obviously a rapidly evolving and changing world? Internally, how do you how do you manage that?
1: Yeah, so I mean, clearly, as I've mentioned, you know, there's there's a lot of work to do here. You know, there's there's still lots to be done to kind of get this consistent, but there's a lot of really great initiatives going on. So we've got things like the Impact Management Project, you've got Iris Plus, which is done by the Global Impact Investing Network, and they're looking to kind of address this aspect and create a more consistent framework for delivering and and, and measuring impact. And we're obviously massively supportive of that. I mean. A key example of of a framework, and this is one that we actually use at Greenbank, albeit we've, we've slightly altered it, is the uh, ABC framework of produced by the Impact Management Project. Um, so to give context, the Impact Management Project was an initiative led by Bridges Fund Management, uh, which brought together 2000 kind of impact measurement and impact investor participants to kind of build some consensus around impact management and measurement. Uh, And this is a framework that we're actually seeing more adoption of. Um, So in terms of how this works, it's really quite a simple framework, the ABC. So A, investments are investments that avoid harm. B are those that are benefiting people and planet. And C are those which, you know, are, are really contributing to solutions to, I guess, some of the world's most pressing challenges. So that could be in areas like sustainable agriculture, renewable energy conservation, microfinance on the social side, you know, affordable and accessible, basic services it could be housing, healthcare, education. And um, so, so just to, to define that again, give you a, a, a bit more clarity. So the A is avoid harm, quite simply. So that's companies that are preventing or reducing negative outcomes on people and planet. B is companies providing benefits. So they're going beyond avoiding harm. They're also generating some kind of positive outcomes c is companies that are contributing to solutions so going further still you know we've got some some significant effects on on these positive outcomes and then actually at green bank we've actually got our own one that we've added in a fourth one here we call our c pluses and this is where we'd have our kind of genuine impact investments and the c plus we describe as things that are contributing highly to solutions and that's where you know we're seeing companies that are delivering this kind of transformational change kind of change that wouldn't have happened otherwise um, and where these kind of products and services they're producing are really targeted to benefit you know the planet or or really kind of underserved groups or communities in particular and um, and this is a framework that we use we we can report on it to clients so we look at our portfolios we look at all the investments within them every single one of our investments is categorized in this abc framework and then we'll report to clients on the impactfulness of their portfolios and that's something that clients really like you know that level of transparency that we can we can provide um, in terms with of you know keeping up with the evolution and in space when it's a very fast moving space um I think for me I'm very very thankful that we have the support of our ESI research team um, and actually last year we, we brought in um, a colleague of mine Marion Woodward who's our impact manager And and her role really is to to focus on creating a more structured and consistent offering in the impact space and just making sure that that develops and grows as the market does. Um, You know, with an area that's that's developing so rapidly, it's massively important to make sure we are sufficiently resourced to kind of stay ahead of the curve there and really strive to be pioneers, offer our clients those kind of investments that are delivering the change that they want to see, but in a really intentional and, and measurable way.
0: And do the funds you hold tend to play ball when it comes to kind of impact reporting and measurement? So what what are the what are the expectations from you in that sense when it comes to the the reporting of the underlying investments and the impact that they have?
1: Yeah, I mean I think so firstly, I think it's probably important to note that uh, because we run very bespoke portfolios that are really cater to our individual clients. We we tend to run, I guess, with less third-party funds in our portfolios than than the bulk of our peer group would. You know, we tend to invest more directly into stocks and bonds, which allows us to have a much greater level of transparency of the holdings that we have. Um, and also, it just makes our job easier when it comes to actually the, assessing the impact of our portfolios, because otherwise, as you say, you know, we're we're beholden to the the fund managers to some extent to give us that information. And that being said, you know, we do still use third-party funds in part of our portfolios. You know, that might be to access geographies where we don't have a large enough allocation um, or to maybe sometimes access a particular theme, but in a more diversified way. Um, so, I mean, when we do use third-party funds, you know, for us, it's incredibly important that we we fully understand their approach. You know, we want to see that from their investment process perspective. But also, you know, how do they deal with ESG integration? How do they deal with impact management and reporting? What is their approach to engagement, for example? That's obviously massively important as they are now holding those assets on our behalf. We can't do the engagement for them. Um, so once we have a kind of clear understanding of, of how they're operating, we'll obviously have a good look through of their portfolio. And we'll just kind of say, does this marry up? You know, Does this portfolio ring true to what you say you're doing. And then obviously, we'll continue to monitor that on an on an ongoing basis. Um, we do see good value in some of the impact reports that managers put out. Um, you know, they can provide some really useful insights into some of the impacts that the funds are having. They've got some great metrics in there, you know, carbon emissions avoided, water intensity, carbon intensity. On the social side, you get things like jobs created, or sometimes you might have case studies which show kind of level of community involvement, for example. But and then when we're looking at these, we look at them standalone, We'll compare them with peers. We'll look at their historic ones to see how they're developing. Look at them on a relative basis and, and just try and make sure that we have a good understanding of of their impact. And um, I guess another key avenue for us on on the fun side is engagement again. And and for that, I mean, Obviously, we do the engagement with companies and with policymakers, et cetera, direct, but actually we find great value in engaging with fund managers to help them improve how they're assessing their underlying holdings and, and the extent to which they're reporting on those. Um, so we do do that ourselves. As I mentioned, we also undertake a lot of collaborative engagement, um, and, and we really see that that brings a lot of positive changes and helps those underlying third-party fund managers you know, change the way they're reporting to, to really meet our needs. Um, so I guess to summarise, in the, the kind of looking at funds side, um, I think for us it's a case of making sure we really understand what the fund's doing. What does the fund say they're doing? What are they actually doing? We undertake a lot of research and analysis on an ongoing basis to ensure that they really continue to do what they say stay on top of their impact reports to make sure that they're really, really hitting all the metrics they should be, that those are evolving over time as they should be in line with the way markets are going. And then also engaging with those fund providers where we see the opportunity to help them improve their practices and help them improve their reporting.
0: Excellent. Thank you for that, Craig. And on that note, that will bring us to an end for today. So thank you very much for joining me and we'll catch up soon. Ah, Been a pleasure. Thank you very much.